Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.57 on Sunday night, not quite Monday morning. That almost never happens. I just want to say thank you so much to you for listening. You were awesome and um, couldn't do without you. Thank you. Uh, I am excited to get this in your, um, I don't know, devices, uh, in your ears. Uh, Last week, I was traveling a ton, and I didn't get the podcast done until later in the week. So um, even though I wasn't at church today because I was on the way back from Orlando, I got the file, and I wanted to get it ready for everybody tomorrow. Uh, Honestly, partly so I could listen to it because I haven't even heard it yet. Uh, But number two, that's just what I like to do. I like to get things done and get them to you. So thank you for your patience last week, but this week is a different story. We are back and we're ready to rock. All right, I don't have any announcements because I don't know what the announcements are. I wasn't there. I believe we're still collecting candy, and next week we are going to be doing something really cool after church, uh, hanging out at Halloween on Central. Um, Our small groups are in full effect right now, and uh, I think that's it. I don't know what Hannah's talking about, so uh, Hannah, take it away. Uh, It is good to be home. I was not here last week. I was in New York for a yarn festival, which is as ridiculous as it sounds. I (laughs) I brought home a lot of yarn, and I got home Monday night after my baby went to bed, and re-entry has been hard. I expected her to have big feelings about me being gone for four days. But I was not prepared for my own big feelings. <laughs> and I've been really grouchy all week, and I'm really tired. And initially, I was just like, oh, well, you know, I was gone, and I've never been gone before from my baby, so it's fine. And I'm tired because I wasn't sleeping, and that bed was rock hard. And now I'm, like, home, and it'll be fine. And then finally, on Thursday, I was like, okay, this is not, I'm not having, like, jet lag. I was in the same time zone. There's, there's nothing wrong. I slept eight hours last night. There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Except there is, and then I realized it was hormones. Now, I have come to understand over the last two years since Nova arrived that whenever I feel trapped in my life, it is because hormones. That's not actually what I think. I'm not actually actively needing to escape my life like I feel that I am. Um, It's just hormones, but it took me a while to notice because it's been a while since I felt like that. Who cares? I have a point, I promise. I'm not going to spend all of Sunday morning talking to you about my hormones. Although, don't tempt me. Okay, because I feel like this is a fundamental need for all humans to understand how their hormones work, especially if you are adding any additional hormones on top of it, because how could you... No, okay, I'm not. I just said I wasn't going to talk about this one. Okay. Um, I bring this up because it's related to our topic for today, which is doubt. And... I'm having all of these intense like fluctuations like all month long because I was pregnant a couple of months ago and then I had a miscarriage and then a topic pregnancy and emergency surgery and recovery is hard and I thought because I was only pregnant for like a couple of weeks before everything went terribly wrong that I, it would just that this wouldn't be happening because this definitely happened after Nova was born and I was an insane person and I like, I kept it. I kept a lid on, the, lid on it <laughs> so nobody knew. But inside, I was like, <gasps> all the time. Um, and quite a while ago, a friend of different named Omar, hi, Omar, I know you're watching. He sent me this book, and it's called When Faith Fails, Finding God in the Shadow of Doubt. And 
I kept trying to read it. For like months, I had been trying to read this book. And something always interrupted me. Either I couldn't concentrate, or like had a migraine, or Nova woke up from her her nap really early, or someone called me with an emergency that had to be addressed immediately, or like I just could not get more than a couple pages into this book. And then (laughs) I ended up in the hospital, and then home trying to recover and parent and deal with crazy hormones, and also still do my job and show up for my friends and my family and all the people at different churches that count on me. And I finally read the book, and then I understood why I couldn't read it sooner because it was waiting till I needed to read it. I try very hard to hold like multiple things as true at once. This is a life skill that I've been practicing for a long time. I'm not good at it, but I apparently need a lot more practice. And like on the one hand, I know that everything worked out exactly as it was supposed to because we went to the hospital and they were like, this is what we think is happening. We think you need to have surgery. You could choose not to. But we decided to go with surgery, and then once they got in there, they were like, oh, it's a good thing you did that because you're about to die. (laughs) So that was like, that was already scheduled, and Sherry was already speaking that Sunday. It had been scheduled for months in advance, two days after I was in the hospital. So, like, I know that God had that entire situation in her hands, and that I was cared for during every moment. And over here, (laughs) I have been having a hard time since then. I have been having a hard time praying. I have been having a hard time being positive, uh, a hard time showing up in faith and just in life, like in the way that I want to. And I know that so many of us have situations where our faith is so real and important and meaningful. And then all of a sudden, it seems like our faith just fails us entirely. Maybe it fails when you experience a sudden loss like a friend or a parent or a child, and your soul is like, why? Or in my case, more accurately, what the F? But the answers that you get are just not strong enough to withstand the flood of pain. It's really easy to think, well, if my faith can't help me in times like this, then why bother to have it at all? And maybe... Maybe that didn't happen to you. Maybe instead your views changed, like politically or socially, and that's just reshaping how you understand the Bible. Like you used to love the Bible, and it was your spiritual lifeline. It was a connection to God, and now you can't read it without noticing all the things that offend you or all the things that have been used to cause harm to other people. Maybe you were hurt by someone or multiple someones or someone that was a spiritual mentor to you in the church. Maybe you've been studying science and now you're like, are those compatible? Are they even in the same universe? Like you wanna believe, but it's thus not making sense anymore. Or maybe you feel disillusioned because it seems like after years of prayer, you get nothing. God is just being stubbornly really silent. Or, or this is totally valid too, maybe you just fell into the endless hole of everyday boring life. Like, faith was really important and really meaningful, and it really helped you. And then you went, it just got sedated by like conference calls and diapers and lawn mowing and exams and TikTok notifications and office drama and sitting in traffic. Like, (laughs) maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's not one thing. I think. Actually, I know because y'all tell me stuff. I know (laughs) that many of us really are uncertain about our faith 
and we try our best to live it out only to feel like, like we've messed it up again or what we're believing in is too abstract and we can't really access it. It's like immaterial. It's not tangible. It's unattainable. So there's a few things we try to do when that happens. We try to compensate. One of the ways we compensate is by using big religious words <laughs> in our conversation or projecting a lot more certainty about our faith than we actually have. Uh, other people make a big deal out of the things they're doing or the services they're performing for the community and like being helpful. Um, some people just have really big opinions and they just really want to make sure everyone is right and believing the right things, which on the inside, usually they're struggling to make sense of them. Or we might pretend that it's just not happening. Doubt's not real. The questions that wake us up all night and like intrude in our thoughts on a daily basis, they just don't exist. They're not really happening. How could we be doubting after all? We're people of faith. We have to believe and not doubt. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good, right? Amen. No, we're not sure if we believe that anymore. <laughs> we're like, yes, God is good all the time. And on the inside, we're like, is he though? <laughs> I just don't feel it right now. Or at least we can't find it. We can't find God's goodness. We can't find solid ground to stand on in our faith. We thought we built our faith house on solid rock. But then the rain came, and now we're sinking in quicksand. <laughs> Side note, has anyone seen quicksand in real life? I have not, but I was told this was a big deal as a kid. <laughs> like, all, like, it is in so many books and movies, and like, you, got, you know, it's quicksand. Don't fight it, because you'll just sink deeper. Like, you've got to find something and gently pull yourself out. Um... That's a side note. I've just never run into actual quicksand. Are we certain it exists? Doubt is not only real, so we can't ignore it, but it's incredibly painful. And then the pain gets compounded because who the heck are you going to talk to about your doubt? Who's going to understand that the deepest part of you is not there anymore? And like we tend to do a couple of things. So first we might demonize our doubt. We make it the nemesis of our faith. We're like, Hannah versus doubt. And we judge people who say that they're doubting. And it, like, if we pretend that it doesn't exist or it's a sin, then it certainly can't affect us, right? If you've been on the receiving ends of this, friends may have said things like, they felt worried for you. Or they just asked you if you've read your Bible lately. Your parents may have gotten angry or maybe they told you just to trust God. Whatever that means. Or the church leaders may have misunderstood you or criticized you for not having enough faith. The second option, and this is one progressives love, we just put our doubt on a little shiny pedestal, like our little tiny trophy baby. And we're like, look what I did. I started deconstructing, and now everything is gone. <laughs> We bur like burn it down. That's our mantra, right? Except it feels so progressive to ridicule what we used to believe, but then you wake up one morning and you find you don't believe anything, and instead of feeling like that's great, like it was supposed to, it feels deeply unsettling. <laughs> you feel like a boat in an ocean with no anchor, no point of reference to find your way home. Everything is uncertain, and neither of those options are helpful, although we keep trying to do them. We're just like, maybe it'll work this time. It didn't work the last 10 times, but this time it's gonna be different. Nothing has changed, but it's gonna be different. And I think the third option, there is a third way that doesn't demonize doubt and it doesn't idolize doubt. 
but it recognizes doubt for what it is, which is an opportunity for our faith to grow. And I don't know who needs to hear this, maybe literally just me, (laughs) but your doubts are not a sign of spiritual collapse. They're not. They're a sign of your faith searching for truth. What you are longing for in your soul is not the scripted answers that people keep trying to give you, but a safe space where you can honestly wrestle with the questions that are already in your heart. Certainty is a lie. We've been told that certainty exists. Not only that it exists, that we can access it in our lifetimes. The only limitation in our world and in our faith is ourselves, right? Like you can be anything you want if you just work hard enough. You can heal from any trauma if you just work hard enough, right? If we want something, we have to try harder and work harder and pray harder and have more faith. But the reality is we really live in a world of limitations. There are limits to our language and our culture and our view of the world. There are limits to our intellect. No matter how much you research and study, you still need Google to close the gap and tell you how many tablespoons are in a half a cup. Nobody knows that, (laughs) except for Google. There are limits to our physical strength. Like you can be like super CrossFit person and do yoga and do meditation and consume 27 spinach smoothies a week. And guess what? You're still gonna get the flu. And it's, gonna, it's not just gonna bother you. It is gonna knock you down for like two weeks. And then you're gonna have a cough that hangs on for months. And you're gonna be like, you know, all the people are gonna be like, well, you know, the cough's the last thing to go. <laughs> Until you wanna strangle them. <laughs> it doesn't matter how healthy you are, you're gonna get sick. It doesn't matter how much you know, there's gonna be stuff you don't know. And then there's limits to our lifetime. Uh, James 4.14 says, life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Or... This is a different translation. Before you know it, you're more of a raisin than a grape. Mm. (laughs) I hope that sticks in your head forever. (laughs) Life is short. (laughs) To be human is to encounter limitation in all its forms. There is so much we do not know and so much we cannot know. And on top of that, not only do we live in a world of limits, we are often ignorant of what the limits even are. We don't know what we don't know. Even the most basic particles in the universe, atoms, are completely unpredictable. You cannot predict where they will be at any given moment. You can't predict where they'll be in the next moment. And sometimes they can be in two places at once. What? Uncertainty is built into the atoms that make up the universe. No wonder it lies in our souls as well. (laughs) Our makeup is uncertain the seven billion, billion, billion atoms that make up you don't know what's going on. Neither do you, surprise. (laughs) Everyone feel better now? That's the end of my pep talk. I'm just kidding. Uncertainty and doubt are not bad things. Doubt is not a moral issue. It's neutral. Just like dishes, not a moral issue. You can't be like, that's a bad person because there's dishes in their sink. No. It's a thing, it's a dish in the sink. It has no effect on anything, right? Doubt, neutral, morally neutral. It's what happens when your assumptions about the world are brought into question and that moment itself is not good or bad. It has the potential to move you somewhere, but it's not a good or bad moment. It is important to note though that even though doubt is neutral in principle, it's anything but neutral in the way that it feels. It is disruptive and confusing and agonizing. And it's when the old answers or ways of doing things no longer sustain you. 
It's like a feeling of spiritual, emotional, sometimes even physical, nausea. Doubt is like vertigo. The fact that it's natural and common and everyone has it doesn't make it more comfortable. Be like, ah, I feel like throwing up. Oh, you do too? Yay. (laughs) So happy we're in this together. Like, here's a bowl for you and a bowl for me. (laughs) No. Why is it such a big deal? Why does it feel like that? Because it feels like a broken friendship, I think. Like, have you ever been in a relationship with someone or really good friends with someone and then they just did something way out of character that just made you question everything you knew about them? Like, oh no, like if that's what they're like, I didn't know that's what they were like. And it cracked the door. And once the door is open, all the other doubts come rushing in too. Well, if they think that, well then what do they think about all these other things that I thought that they thought? And now, can we even be in a relationship for the rest of our lives? I don't know. Doubt creates doubts. Or in Bible terms, doubt beget doubt, which beget doubt. (laughs) 17 chapters of Leviticus later, it begat more doubts. (laughs) I think our relationship with God is very similar. Like we try to be people of faith, which means that our relationship with God defines who we are at the deepest level of our souls. We love God and we walk with God and we share all parts of ourselves about God and God cares. God listens. God fills fills us with love and is so unimaginably good. And then, disaster. Do y'all watch the Great British Baking Show? Y'all are being real quiet this morning. (laughs) Okay, first of all, the answer to the question of if you watch the Great British Baking Show is yes. (laughs) And if you don't, you need to, because if you're having a terrible, no good, mess up, very bad day, you just need to put on one episode and watch British people baking in a tent for no reason other than to get a cake plate And it's delightful, but there's one lady in one of the seasons, and every time something went wrong, she would go, disaster. (laughs) It could be like she dropped a spoon on the floor, disaster. (laughs) Or Paul Hollywood touched her cake and was like, underproved. Disaster. This is what happens when we get doubt. Like, we're just loving life. We're baking cakes. We're in a tent. And then, disaster. Doubt just appears and knocks us off our feet and everything feels up in the air and we're disoriented and we thought that God was good and we thought that our faith was true, but now we feel like, to use the very appropriate words of Nietzsche, we are perpetually falling backwards, forwards, sidewards, in all directions, going through an infinite nothing. Oh yeah, (laughs) he was a real fun guy. We don't know how to respond to that. It's really overwhelming. It's really devastating. It makes us feel really alone. But we're not alone because we are human. And to doubt is human. And if any person of faith tells you that they have not doubted, they are lying. Okay? Even, like, who is the most perfect example of, like, selfless faith Like, to me, that would be, like, Mother Teresa. Like, everyone knows, like, dedicated their whole life to, like, doing stuff, right? This is what she wrote in one of her personal letters. Where is my faith? Deep down, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain? So many unanswered questions live in me. A person who literally spent their whole life doing what they felt like God wanted them to do. 
Yay. Uncertainty. Like, we just want it to go away. I mean, at least I do. (laughs) I really want it to go away. But what if we need this process? What if it is not only okay, but necessary? I think that uncertainty can often lead us into the beautiful mystery that we call God. Like, Jesus said, the spirit of God is like a wind that blows wherever it wants. Okay, we love that. Sounds very nice. Wind can be like, we're like, ah, the spirit of God blows like a gentle breeze on a spring day. Or wind can blow like a tornado and destroy everything in its path. God can be our rest and God can also be the source of our distress. God is the answer, and then we were like, yay, we have the answer, until we realized that the answer is actually not just a question, another question. God welcomes us home and then blows the house down. <laughs> we're like, finally, we've caught a glimpse of God, and then God's like, nope, hide my face. The more you read about God, the more you will find that we know nothing about God. If you get four theologians in a room, you will have four different opinions about God, and the one who is the most opinionated is the least nice person. Doubt, like, doubt feels like an abyss, honestly. And I, it's easy to just fall into it, to stare at it so long that it, like, stares back at you, (laughs) swallows you whole. But two things can be true at once, can't they? We can be doubting and hurting and angry and restless and want clear answers. And faith can be rational and sophisticated and beautiful and worth participating in. Maybe I need to make that personal. I am, not I can be, I am doubting and hurting and angry and restless and I want clear answers. And my faith is still beautiful and rational and sophisticated and worth participating in. God does not die if we cease to believe. But a part of us does. We are all searching to try to find our way home, right? And if home is the life of faith, then doubt is the road that you have to walk on to get there. In fact, doubt is all the roads. There's no road that doesn't have doubt in it. It may feel like doubt is swallowing everything whole, but it's simply not true. If you take a city block of fog, we don't get a ton of fog in Florida, but like every once in a while you get a fog. Like imagine a downtown Tampa or St. Pete city block just covered in fog and you're walking in it, you can't see the red light at the end of the block. Pretty dense fog, right? Do you know how much water that is? One city block of fog? Half a cup. A few sips of water just obliterates your vision for a block a whole block, and doubt works the same way. Because we tend to assume that if we can just learn more about God or the Bible or theology, our doubts will be resolved. No, I wish I could tell you that it was the case, but it's not the case because I have dedicated my life to studying the Bible and theology and faith, and (laughs) doubt is like a fog. And in just my personal (sighs) petty opinion, We need more pastors and regular church people who will be honest about this. Okay, the fake, like, I've got it all together, Christians need to cut it out. Cut it out. Okay, I'm tired of your crap. (laughs) I'm tired of my crap, I say to myself. 
God loves doubters. Doubt is part of the journey of faith. And if you're going on a trip, if you're going on a hike, okay, it is more than just reading the map and memorizing a brochure about your destination. It's about walking and climbing and feeling and experiencing and tiptoeing and trusting. And the further you go, the more the mystery grows. And the further you dare to go, the more God grows. The Bible is full of doubters. God is with you in your doubt. I am too. I quite honestly wish that I were not. I really wish I had it all together. (laughs) I really wish I could say that one of my prayers lately has not been... I'm going to edit this because there's kids in here. God, I'm having a really hard time believing you give a crap. But I have, in fact, prayed that more than once and in stronger language. And you know what I got back for an answer? (laughs) Not a booming voice from heaven being like, here is your 10-step plan to a perfect life. I got um, a book that I've been trying to read for months and couldn't make the time. And suddenly when I'm busier than ever, I have time to read a book that saying what I need to hear in this moment. And I will very grouchily say amen to that. Y'all can come back up. I'm just gonna keep talking forever, but I'm at the end of my notes. <laughs> Whoops. Dostoevsky said, my Hosanna is built in a furnace of doubt. Doubt is not the rival of faith. Doubt depends on faith for its existence. You can believe without doubting, sometimes. But you can't doubt without believing. If you are struggling, if you're in pain, if you're feeling uncertain, if you're overwhelmed by questions, if you're a little bit or a lot angry with God, you don't have a problem, you have faith. What is that famous verse? Don't ask me the reference because I'm terrible at references, even though the Bible like comes out of my ears. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Barf. I hate that verse. The evidence of things hoped for, that doesn't even make sense, <laughs> okay? The substance of things you can't see, if you can't see it, that's because it's not there, right? Well, apparently not. <laughs> that uncertainty, we're like, oh no, (laughs) this uncertainty is taking over everything. That is faith. That's literally what that verse is saying. When you are like, I can't see what this even means. I can't even see if this is a real thing. That is faith. And God knew we would um, struggle with that. So we put it in the Bible just to help us. I, my translation is annoy me because I don't want that to be the answer. I don't want that to be my faith. I don't want to be like, I'm having a really hard time believing you give a crap and God being like, yep, thanks for telling me. (laughs) That's like what I tell Nova. I'm like, you can't, we're all done watching Moana for the 17th time today. And then she's like, how could you do this to me? You don't love me. She's two, so she doesn't say all those words, but this coming out, I know what she means. You don't care about me. You've never cared about me. Moana is the most important thing in my life. I can't believe you would turn the TV off. And I'm like, I hear you, it's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard that I turn the TV off. You're okay, to, you're allowed to be sad about that. And it's still off. I really hate that that's good parenting and that that's what God's doing to me. 
I'm like, how could you do this to me? You don't even care. You never did. Uh, uh. And I stomped my foot and more than that. And God's like, oh, I hear you. I hear you. Actually, I hear you and I really do give a crap. You're not doing this wrong. It feels hard because it is hard. Sometimes you're doing it right. We have two more songs, but I want you to just think about one question as we sing them. And then I'll come back and give you a benediction. What if your doubt is the best thing that's ever happened to you? What if your doubt is the best thing that's ever happened to your faith?